Paul had been giving instructions on how to live as Christians and how to follow the example of Christ. As we're going through Romans, uh, Romans is broke down into sections that give us practical application now towards the end after chapter 12. It's mostly practical application, how we can take what we've learned uh, through the first 11 chapters and now apply to our own lives. So our message today is titled, The Ministry. We continue our study through the book of Romans with chapter 15. We're going to pick it up in verse 14, where we read, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are, uh, you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. Well, he had just spent time talking about admonishing one another and also uh, to have grace and liberty with one another. And so now he's saying, you Romans, I know because of what you know that you're able to do this, that you have the knowledge to be... Paul had never been to Rome. He doesn't know who the leaders are in Rome. So he's making an assumption based on what he had been told about those that were in Rome and the feedback that he was getting out of Rome. The reports he received said they were confident in what they were learning and they were secure in the knowledge of the gospel. And they were understanding the scriptures. Remember, the New Testament wasn't written back then. That's what this letter is. It's part of the New Testament. So they had the gospel message, but they didn't have it in a book They had all the Old Testament scriptures and that's what they were using to validate what was being taught about the gospel message and all of the epistles after that. And so when we consider that, we understand that the Old Testament applies to us today in that it is the foundation for the New Testament. It doesn't mean that we are locked into the laws and rules of the Old Testament. We're not living by the same set of rules that the Jews lived by that were given by God. That was a completely different set of rules for a completely different group of people, the children of Israel. I'm glad because if they couldn't keep them and he did all the miracles, he led them out of Egypt and he did all these miracles before him and they were still stupid enough to go worship other gods and false gods. I'm glad I wasn't part of that group. I probably would have been led astray just as well as those people. But here we live in a different time. We live in the age of grace. And because of the age that we live in, we live in a relationship with Jesus Christ through his son, through Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit being within us. It's completely different. And Paul is explaining that. And the Romans understood part of that. They understood 
the scriptures well enough to be able to be just, to understand what it meant to live as a believer. So since they were knowledgeable in the scriptures, they were able to admonish each other. That word admonish means that they would correct each other when someone stepped outside of the rule. Not the law, although is there any part of the law that maybe would apply to us today? Thou shalt not kill. <laughs> Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. You know, how about coveting? You know, we just like to hide that last one. We don't want to talk about coveting because that's what we're trained to do from the time we're born. We're taught to covet what someone else has. At two years old, you're playing with a toy and you see someone else playing. Oh, I want that toy. Mine. You know, and, and so I'm 64 and I still have the urge to say mine. But none of it is mine. And so I have to learn that. Paul was there pointing this out to them. But he also pointed out that they were full of goodness. And that's how he knew that their correction toward each other would be just because they had the right attitude toward this. Just because we know the scriptures doesn't mean we always do what's right. Many times what we're doing, we, we realize it before it even gets done. We realize our reaction to something is an overreaction. We realize that we are allowing our flesh or our anger or our bitterness or our frustration get the best of us and to be prominent in our life instead of letting the Holy Spirit be the one to shine. And so that's what Paul is trying to address here with the Romans. We also allow our Christian liberty to take precedence over what we really should be doing or shouldn't be doing. And liberty was what Paul was talking about when he said, some of you eat meat, some of you don't eat meat. Just be convinced in your own mind of what you're doing and don't cause your brethren to um, be in angst over it. Don't tell them they're wrong for eating meat or they're wrong for not eating meat. Don't argue about that kind of stuff. Things that are biblical, even with Peter, when Peter saw the sheet come down three times, God confirming something over and over again, showing this is the way things are, and there were unclean animals that were coming down in the sheet, and he heard the voice saying, rise, kill, eat. And Peter said, oh no, I've never had anything unclean past the, these lips. Oh, I thought about it. That bacon looked good, but I didn't eat it. So I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. Well, God said, hey, what I call clean, you don't call unclean. And so Peter learned that day that he, he 
he is being judged under a different level than the Jews were. The Jews had this strict set of laws, but now grace has allowed us to eat bacon. But really, it was about the Gentiles. And so here we are as Gentiles getting together, and we know that we can be saved. Paul is writing to a Gentile church. He's trying to get them to understand that they're not better and they're not worse. That they are saved by the grace of God just like everyone else that is. He had been addressing them to tell them that love is more important than liberty. And that's true today. Love is still more important than liberty. It's Paul's way of telling the church to reprimand someone who's not practicing the things we know are, we're supposed to be practicing in Christ, but doing in love. Anytime we reprimand someone, we correct someone, we're doing it in love. That's the way Jesus did it. You know, when the woman that was brought before him that was caught in adultery, you know, he, he didn't say, well, you're caught in adultery. Get some rocks. Let's stone her. No, because he knew what they were doing. He knew they were bringing her just to, to mess him up, to get him in trouble. Because if she was in adultery and she was caught in the act, where is the man that was with her? He was supposed to be brought also. Both of them were supposed to be stoned. And so you could see the hypocrisy in what they were trying to do. And Jesus demonstrated that there was forgiveness even in the act of sin. There was forgiveness right there before them. So Paul doesn't beat them with the scriptures. He was speaking to them in love. And people know the difference, by the way when you speak in love or when you beat them with scriptures. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit." In our modern day, we're having a problem with conflict between the churches. Different churches do different things in different ways, and there's conflict between the churches because we don't all do things the same way. And it's very easy to see where this conflict comes from. That's why I wholeheartedly believe if we stay with the word of God and we go through the whole word of God and not just take little portions out and talk about little portions of scripture. Oh, this is what I'm going to talk about today. And, uh, and tomorrow I'll talk about something else that's on my, my heart. Um, while there's nothing wrong with that, as long as we're doing it in the Holy Spirit, it's okay. But I believe that going through the Bible 
it helps us to know the whole Bible. We're not going to just skip over areas that are a little harsh for us. And uh, we don't want to offend anyone. Some pastors won't talk about the things I talk about because they're worried about offending someone. I was talking the other night and someone got up and left while I was teaching. And it wasn't, I don't know, but it looked like I may have said something that offended them and they uh, left the service. And that's okay because sometimes I may say something that gets under someone's skin. If it's me and not the word of God, then I ask for forgiveness, okay? If I offend you by something I say because I said it and, uh, you know, and it was coming from me, come to me and say, you know what? What you said was a little offensive, you know, and uh, here's how it offended me or why it offended me. And, and I would receive that. But if it has to do with the word of God, I can't be offended. I'm just, uh, hold on, I just shared the scripture. Was the scripture offensive to you? Then let's pray about that. Because the scripture is what keeps me in line. It's what keeps all of us in line. And so if it's the scripture that offends, good. That's what it's supposed to do. That's the purpose of the scripture. To get to the point where it challenges us to live godly lives. That's what Paul is doing here. So believers, if they were contradicting the word of God, then Paul says you need to say something, but do it in love. If we see the same thing, we need to be sure that it's not just us. Oh, you're not eating meat? Well, you know, the Bible says you're supposed to eat meat. You can eat anything you want. And that's what the Bible, why? Why go there? If that offends someone, if that bothers, why go there? Why even, who cares? What they eat, more meat for me. You know, so I look at it that way. You know, but here's, we, we can't make up our own rules. We can't take the word of God and then say, well, this is what it really means or this is what it doesn't mean. I saw a video, maybe some of you saw it last week, of a church. This is a Protestant church that had drag queens up front. And the people in the church were giving an oath, led by the bishops, the deacons. They were reciting an oath that they were sorry they offended the drag queens, that um, they are completely welcome in the house of God, in, you know, in God's family. And they were all reciting this in the church. And it was not a little church. It was huge. And hundreds and hundreds of people were reciting this with the drag queens all up front and, uh, and them all giving their oath that they would accept them as they are. When we're told, come as you are, it doesn't mean stay as you are. 
You can come as you are, but the Holy Spirit's going to change you. There is a requirement to allow the Holy Spirit to have freedom in your life if you become a believer in Jesus Christ. You, You can't become a believer in Jesus Christ and think that you can continue and say, oh, God made me this way. No, sin made you that way. God is going to fix that. So just give him the latitude to do that. Give him the freedom to work in your life and then you can be fixed and saved. But uh, many people want to continue in their sin. And that's, Paul is kind of calling that out here too. I can imagine what Paul would be saying if he saw that video. Right? If he was there. You know, at the time this was going on, Paul would not have been a happy camper. And, and he probably would have said something about it. So in verse 16, Paul continues to establish his role as the minister of God to the Gentiles. We know that to be true. Because 2,000 years later, us Gentiles are here gathered together reading Paul's words accepting it for ourselves, applying it to our own lives, Paul's teaching is still relevant today. You don't need to go to a relevant church to be relevant. The Bible is relevant and will always be relevant. The relevance is not found in the church and what the church is doing. Relevance is found in what God has said. And what the Holy Spirit is doing through the people of God. That's where the relevance is. For me, this is the most powerful form of the spiritual movement going on in the world today. It's people being empowered by the Holy Spirit to live holy lives. That's something we can't get anywhere else. There is no power greater than the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. And it's the only one that can help us to actually achieve what God wants us to do. Paul is going to continue to talk about this ministry of his in verse 17. He says, Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Holy Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so here Paul is now saying, look, Here is what I am doing. Here is what I've done. And I'm going to continue to do it. He spoke of the works that were the evidence of the work of God. The Messiah that was sent by God. It's the works that he was doing. These were the accomplishments. He says, I'm not going to brag about anything that was not accomplished in me. Because that was me. Now, If I got up here and told you every single thing that came out of my 
mouth was the gospel and the Holy Spirit speaking and every single thing I say, you've got to listen to that way. Pick up some stones. Um, Because that would be foolishness if I said something like that. I believe that um, I do have the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of teaching, and I'm able to come up here and teach. And I pray that when I do, you're only hearing what the Holy Spirit wants you to hear. And I know for many of you that's true because after service, sometimes you come up and tell me what you got out of the message and it's never the same. It's like one person says one thing, one person says another, another. Uh, what message were you listening to? Uh, that wasn't what I was teaching. And, but you know what? That's what the Holy Spirit wanted someone to hear and receive. And, and so when you get that, when, when you hear that, um, you're, you know you're being fed by the Lord, not by me. And, and I put a bunch of filler in there. I'm sure the Holy Spirit doesn't speak about ribeyes. Well, I don't know. But, um, you know, I'm sure he doesn't talk about a lot of the stuff that I talk about uh, that go on in my life and other people's lives and stuff like that. Uh, But what he's talking about are spiritual things that are deep and that matter. And they matter not only to me, they matter to each person in their own lives. You see, we're all on a different level of walk with the Lord. We're all at a different pace in our walk with the Lord. Everyone isn't on the same plane at the same time. This is the church of medium-level believers. And uh, so all medium-level believers, please come to this church and learn about the medium-level stuff. Of We're all at different walks. We're all at different timing in our walk with the Lord. But that doesn't mean that we aren't all working together. We're not all members where we are. We're all members together of the body of Christ. And so that's how collectively we work together. That's how God works in this body. And so when we work together, when we minister together to one another, it's the hand of God doing it at his pace. But he knows what each one of us needs to hear and when we need to hear it. Paul was now ministering to the Gentiles. Wherever he would teach the gospel, the Gentiles were seeing signs and wonders. They were seeing things that they wouldn't see out in the world. You don't see false gods healing people and of blindness, bringing people back from the, you don't see that. But Paul said, hey, it wasn't because of him that these people were being healed and these people were seeing miracles. It was because of God. That's the work of God. But that was just the evidence that his ministry was about the work of God. And so here, In this place, as we gather together, it's the work of God that's taking place in here, in this church. The church isn't the building. If you you come in here, you don't have uh, more sanctification than if you're, you know, driving on the freeway. Well, I, I have that problem. But when you're here in this place, it's, you can sense 
the Spirit more because we're around brothers and sisters in Christ, all gathered for the same reason, the same purpose, to worship together, to fellowship together. That's why it says, as you see a day approaching, don't neglect these times. Come and share with each other, minister to one another, be in fellowship with each other, because it's healthy for us spiritually. Remember, it isn't the messenger who has the power. It's the one who sent the messenger that has the power. And so you are also messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so you're not the one expected to do all the work. You're just going out there allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work. You're the vessel that God has decided to use to do these things. There are many ministry leaders that brag about what they're doing for the Lord. Oh, we're, we're doing this, we're reaching these people, we're, we've sent all these people over here, and, we're, we're, you know, we're, and I'm getting on the jet to go fly over here to do this, and, and so on and so forth. And, and I'm still waiting on my jet, but um, I never, I, if I even had the money, I wouldn't buy a jet because I want to be on a commercial flight sitting next to someone, you know, sharing the good news with them. I don't want to be exclusive, excluding myself from the ministry. The ministry is all those people around us that get to see what we're doing, that get to hear about the good news that get to witness the joy of the Lord in our lives. That's the ministry. Paul is talking all about that. He says in verse 20, and so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom... He was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. And so here's Paul saying, you know what? I didn't go and step on anyone else's ministry. I didn't go any place and, you know, take from them where they had ministry. And a lot of people take this to say that if you're going to plant a church, don't plant a church where someone else had planted a church. You've heard that. Uh, many of you have heard that before. But here's the reality in what he's saying. He's not going to go into an existing church or an existing uh, organization and then take it for himself. Go in there. I'm the apostle Paul, and I'm here to you know minister and you guys need to minister to me. You, you, you guys need to provide for my needs. See, right now there are churches everywhere. Everywhere you go, you, you can't spit and not hit a church. Now, I'm not saying those are valid churches. There are many buildings that are in locations all over the place. Many people call themselves churches. But here's the thing. We here, the reason why you're here isn't because I'm paying you to be here. Uh, I, uh, isn't that a relief? Uh, because some of you may think that that's what's happening here. It's not. People come here because the Holy Spirit leads them here to be part of a flock. And so that we can grow together as a flock in ministry. 
so that we can minister one to another. That's what Paul was doing. He was going to, see, Paul did go to places that had established churches. He's going to Rome. It's already there. He's going there to minister. The thing is, is that Paul didn't go and say, okay, I'm coming. I expect money, you know, to be paid to come. That happens in a lot of churches around the country. But here's the thing. We at Calvary Chapel, we do have sometimes, I'll have people fill in for me and stuff like that come from somewhere else. They didn't ask me to come fill in. I asked them to come and, and speak for me because I want to go, you know, uh, see my family or something like that. And when I do that, I give them an honorarium. I give them a little bit of money. It, it isn't a lot of money. It, they're not on the payroll. It's just a little bit of money to bless them for coming. And for, for ministering to the flock. And so that's, that's how it's supposed to work. You know, God brings an opportunity and brings someone up to speak and then we bless them for that. That's what Paul was doing. You know, Paul, when he went to Corinth and he spoke there in Corinth, the Corinthians harassed him and said, you're not taking our money. Paul said, I don't want your money. And they said, well, why, why aren't you taking money? We, you know, we put money together for other people that come. Well, the Gnostics were coming up and uh, coming to their church and saying, hey, we have a good message to bring. And so uh, you want to come? And so in, in Second, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is telling them, you, you know what? No, um, I don't do that. As a matter of fact, I didn't take any money from you. I worked to get myself through. And he's telling the Romans the same thing, that you know, he's not coming there to put on a show or to take their money from them. And so with the Corinthians, he said, you know what, I, don't, I, I didn't come to take your money. You, you go pay someone else and you paid them to come in to teach and they were teaching you lies. He said, I was supplied and I was supported when we didn't have any funds for the team that came in from Macedonia. And if you remember, the Philippian church was providing funds for Paul as he went out church planting. And the Philippian church and and other churches of Macedonia would take up a collection and they would send it to Paul so that he can go do that. Otherwise, he was a tent maker. He made tents. And he was involved everywhere he went. He'd find people to connect with and make tents with. And, and um, so that's generally how I'm a tent maker. I still work a full-time job so I can earn a living. Um, but this is my ministry in that the Lord has led me to do this. And he said, don't worry, I'm going to provide for you through your tent making job. And I'm like, praise the Lord. You know, so that's an awesome thing, you know, that God can do that. Because I know if it were me, I wouldn't have done it. I would have said, no, I want to see the money up front. (laughs) Right? Right? Isn't that our nature to do that? But that's not what we're supposed to be doing. So this was the ministry God gave him. Uh, Paul is now doing what he was supposed to be doing. Pastor Chuck had had a saying that he loved. He said, sheep beget sheep. You said, the ministry isn't about the pastor growing a church. That's 
the ministry of the Holy Spirit through sheep. Everyone say bah. Bah. Good. Okay. See, we're all sheep. Okay. And so we beget sheep by going out and ministering. Paul didn't, every person that ever heard the message that Paul preached was not saved. As a matter of fact, the majority of the people Paul preached to did not get saved. But groups of people got saved and formed churches and so on and so forth. And so we have to realize that we aren't in charge of saving people. We're not responsible for people's salvation, but we are responsible to shine the light of Jesus Christ in the dark world around us so that they can see the truth for themselves and that they can also decide to be a follower of Jesus Christ, inviting him into their lives. And then they too can be a follower. But if they don't, that's not on you. You're not responsible for the salvation. That's all up to God. We are responsible to go share the good news. Amen?